Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us across the OutKick network. We're live in Nashville, 6th and Peabody, our location, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, and a lot to get to. Mike Waffle, former Rams defensive line coach, joins us in 20 minutes. We'll preview the upcoming Super Bowl matchup, and he'll tell us how he stood on the table for Aaron Donald whenever the Rams had two first-round draft picks a handful of years back. We have Dr. David Chow, pro football doc, who is in Nashville. He's going to swing by 6th and Peabody and join us later this hour. But pleased to be joined as we kick off hour number three with VolQuest.com's Austin Price and Brent Hubbs. Austin, it is always great to see you. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We are awesome. And is Hubber with us as well currently? He is. Oh, Yes, sir. I, I can right hear him. Here. Yes, there he sir. is. Look That's... at you, too. You guys, uh, how would you describe National Signing Day this week compared to years past? <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of been this way, Brent, since they went to the early signing period. I mean, like, you, you've occasionally had maybe Tennessee add two or three instead of one. Um, but it, it just gets progressively more quiet every year because all schools – want every one of their players to sign in December. And and most kids are amenable to that. Very few hold off until February. And, you know, this the, the, all the haze in the barn, so to speak, you know, um, when, when, when Christmas morning gets here, you know, the, this February signing period is pretty much a snoozer because so many of these programs love to live in the transfer portal. Yeah, I think January has become uh, the, the college football's version of free agency. It's much more about – uh, the transfer portal in January, and, and it's about um, working ahead in, in the next couple of classes coming up as opposed to to focusing in on, on finishing out. If you're in a coaching change, maybe you got some more spots, but if you've got some stability, uh, just a couple of guys is about all you're going to see your school get done uh, in, in that late signing period. It's just not the focal point now. It's all about December. Hey, guys. Uh, so Josh Eibel's done a really nice job keeping this staff together uh, after year one. There is some chatter about Alex Golish, offensive coordinator in Miami and possibly going to Miami to be offensive coordinator. Uh, what's the latest uh, with Alex Golish? And uh, what do you guys think about that possible opportunity for him and how important it would be for Josh Eibel to retain Golish? Well, I think Brim would agree until they, you know, until a, until a hire is made, you can never say never. But I think both of us would be surprised if that was the move that's made. You know, Coach Golish is in line for a, a nice little bump in pay here, and I would expect Tennessee to announce him and a few others have have gotten raises after a really nice, solid first year, given, given all the circumstances that they inherited uh, some 12 months ago. And so um, I, I would be surprised, Brand, if, if Alex Golish is on the move. Yeah, two things with Alex Gillis for me. One, I think he called more offensive plays in the fall than any fan wants to give him credit for. I, I think he was much more involved in play calling on Saturdays than, than just sitting up there taking notes for, for Josh Heupel. And, and Alex Gillis wants to be a head football coach. 
I think the question he's asking himself and, and as opportunities come about is, does making a lateral move, does it enhance or help my possibility of being a head football coach quicker? Or am I in a better position to stay at Tennessee with staff continuity, continue to grow in this offense and, and continue to grow with this program? Does that help me become a head coach faster? I think that's what Josh, uh, or excuse me, Alex Golish is looking at because I think that's his ultimate goal is he, he wants to be a head coach. And I think he wants to be one as quick as he can get one if it's the right situation. You know, we joked about the lack of buzz around the late signing period uh, on Wednesday and not a lot of news around that one. I kind of feel like there's two separate transfer portal signing times also. You've got what's already taken place and now what's going to take place after spring football. Um, Tennessee uh, looked like they had landed a big fish in the transfer portal at receiver, ends up going to the University of Texas instead of the University of Tennessee. How big of a player will Tennessee be in this next transfer portal, portal cycle where they start to look at guys leaving after spring practice? Well, they're currently at 72, Brent. You get the eight, you know, they'll arrive in the summertime. That takes them to 80. Uh, you know, and if they, add, if, if they have no more losses, they could add up to five, um, you know, potential players, uh, you know, after spring practice. I think Tennessee will try to be as big a player as they can be. You know, I think obviously, you know, the biggest thing is, Brent's just not taking a body to take a body. You know, you, you need somebody that can help you, help you position to need, whether it be offensive tackle with a guy like Tyler Steen, who, you know, is transferring from Vanderbilt, whether it be a wide receiver like Brew McCoy, who is, you know, trying to clear some things up at USC. And we'll see if he is able to do that between now and May, um, you know, helping the secondary. If they get the right type of running back, I think they would look to go that route, but not necessarily a locked in position. Um, defensive line, you know, same thing. So, you know, I, Tennessee's going to look to be a player, Brent, and and I would expect them to try to fill the needs the best they can. And, and I do think that there will be a solid group of kids post-spring practice. Wondering what you're hearing from uh, the Senior Bowl on the three Vols there. I saw one one-on-one -on -one uh, clip where Jones turned around Taylor pretty good in the end zone. But uh, what's the overall buzz on the three guys down there? Well, Austin said this earlier in the week on our podcast, and, and he's right. I mean, the, the guy who I think it, it can help themselves the most this week is Cade Mays, and I think Cade Mays has done that. Cade Mays has worked at right tackle, right guard, and center. I think uh, teams really like his versatility when, when you talk about, you know, you're going to carry uh, eight linemen on your roster on, on a given Sunday. You like a guy who can play more than one position, and if he's a guy who can play multiple spots, he becomes much more attractive to you uh, in, in terms of his value to your to your franchise at that position uh, on the offensive line. So I think Mays has had a solid week. Obviously, he's got to finish it well, but the fact that he can play multiple spots is a huge help. I think for Alante Taylor and Bayless Jones, one of the things that's helped them this week uh, is the fact that they've been really good special teams players, and they were good special teams players at Tennessee. I think they've been solid in special teams work on the practice field this week. That will, that will help both of those, those guys. Um, I still think with Elante Taylor, Austin, it's going to be about what his, time, what his you know, speed time is. Uh, and then with Bayless Jones, there'll be a little question about his physicality because he's not the biggest guy playing receiver. No, he's not. I, and, you know, I, I think the biggest thing Bayless has got going for him, though, is he, you know, he, he's almost like a running back in a wide receiver's body. Um, so he, he is, he's tough to tackle. You know, it's hard to get a real hard look on him when he goes down. Uh, Alante is to me the most intriguing guy because I do think he can play safety. I think he can play corner. He's long. 
Um, he likes to tackle, and, and, and I think all those things are, are good for him. And I, and I know Derek Ansley was a huge fan of his. Um, you know, uh, in fact, D.A. told me before the season started, you know, when I was talking to him about, you know, things with the Chargers, you know, that he thought Alante was poised to have a really good year. I thought Alante did have a really good year, and, and it, it was evident, you know, how nice a year he had when Tennessee really missed him in the Music City Bowl. Yeah, no doubt. Deep draft, though, Paul. You know this better than anybody covering that. This is the deepest draft we've seen in a long time. Going to be a lot of good players taken late in the draft uh, in this particular draft. So we'll see where they where they stand. You know, finish out at. But I do think all three of those guys have helped themselves this week. Guys, I have to take my shot here because I may get a uh, never get a, another chance to do this, and this is something that's never happened. In my years of hosting a show. you start that way, Chad. Well, I've never had a chance to do this before, but I get to ask you guys about a player from my alma mater, Mount Juliet High School, that is going to be a vol uh, on scholarship in football. I can't recall a time where a big prospect from my alma mater uh, has gone to Tennessee uh, in in doing this job. So I have to ask about Aiden Bustle, uh, one of the very few commitments already for next year's class at Tennessee. And Austin, I'll start with you. Uh, what you know about the young man and, and what type of player Tennessee is getting. I started his career at Wilson Central, played two years, moved to Mount Juliet before last season, played a lot of last season with like a torn pec type uh, injury and, uh, you know, showed toughness, gutted through it. I think his best football is ahead of him. Um, good looking kid. He's not sloppy, um, well put together. I think he's, he's longer than most people give him credit for. Um, could play multiple positions on the offensive line, as we just talked about with Cade Mays. Um, and, and, and honestly, I think he's the top guy on Tennessee's board, um, you know, along the offensive line in state. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's one that, you know, they really like from the get-go, both the, the you know, recruiting uh, office and then, you know, Glenn Ellerby and Josh Heupel um, were all in on Aiden Bustle. And to be able to get this one done before the calendar turned to February, I thought was huge. Um, you know, and, and he'll continue to help you with guys in state. Uh, he'll work on guys like Bryson Sanders from Baylor. Uh, the most surprising thing is when I went to Mount Juliet on Monday, um, you know, they, they didn't have any signs that said, you know, home of Chad Withrow, home of Chad Withrow. Um, clearly, they're trying to hide the fact you went there. Yeah, Mount Juliet's a very different place uh, than I went to school there. Much, much bigger now. They've really outgrown. They've forgotten him. Any athletic accomplishments that I've had or any media accomplishments, that, uh, that town has completely outgrown. That sign All is, of my meager accomplishments. That sign is sure. in a time capsule, uh, and they buried it when they built the new high school. Under the track. There. Those kids don't know the blood, sweat, and tears that my generation put in. Uh, you know, that, that program didn't start with the Perrys. Uh, it, started, it started well before that. I want, I want everyone to know. Is, is, that, is it like the time capsule that Zach? Zach and Kelly and yes. Slater and Jesse and everybody yeah. putting the ground. It started with him night. getting dunked on by Ron Slater. Yeah, Austin, I was I was kind of the uh, I was kind of the Zach Morris of Mount Joyd High School. So I, I, I like that comparison. I, I don't believe that. For Who one was the Kapowski? Always more uh, of, uh, she wasn't with me. I tell you that much. I wouldn't I wouldn't know. Didn't know her. Um, so you better ho- Withrow. You better hope nobody calls in and says you were the screech. Of Mount <laughs> yeah. no, we know uh, he was. Uh, p- p- possibly. I, he, I don't know the. He proper- had the similar trouble growing facial hair. Yeah, I, I don't know the proper segue. Uh, I also didn't make any videos like Screech did after his, after his time. Okay, I didn't do that either. Who, who, um, who was the slimy uh, guy that dated, dated Violet Bickerstaff, you know, on there that, that Screech, you know, that was played by Tori Spelling? That's who you were. 
Yeah, what was uh, I'm trying to think of that guy's name. I can see the actor right now. Hutton's going to look it up and find it. Yeah, I will. I'm trying to get, find the right segue, and I just can't <laughs> mentally find it right now for my who question. Did, who dated uh, Hutton's Googling? Who dated Violet Bickerstaff? Yeah, Tory <laughs> Spelling as Violet Bickerstaff. Um, should Tennessee fans be concerned about what Kentucky's doing in the mid-state with football recruiting? Because everyone Tennessee's recruiting is either going to Kentucky, committing there, or they're in the final three along with Tennessee. Well, hey, listen, I'll be the first to say, Tennessee fans still view Kentucky a certain way because they've continued their dominance over Kentucky. But Kentucky's a much better program, Brent, than they were 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, You know, they're a a, a program that's won 10 games twice now under Mark Stoops. Uh, Tennessee's not won 10 games since Phil Fulmer was here. Again, Tennessee has continued their domination over Kentucky, but Kentucky has – has, has quietly just went about its business and continued to improve. Part of that is the fact that they play Mississippi State every year. You know, they don't play Alabama like Tennessee does. You know, I mean, like they, they have a, a schedule that's, you know, kind of built to win X amount of games every year. And so when they get that nice favorable opponent in the West opposite Mississippi State, so when they play Ole Miss and Mississippi State or Arkansas and Mississippi State, and they're not playing Alabama or LSU or Auburn, it's much easier to get to that 10-win plateau, and they've just gotten better talent. So not surprising that they've continued to have success. Are they taking over the mid-state? I think that's a bit overblown. Um, you know, But I do think that, that that staff has done a nice job. So moving on to basketball now, do you really think that Tennessee maybe found something offensively at the end of that Texas game with that 16-0 run that shockingly tied it when it was 51-35 to in the last four minutes of that game? Because there was definitely some carryover with the 90 points against A&M uh, this week? Well, I mean, they moved the ball better against A&M for sure, much the way they did down the stretch of the, of the Texas game. I, I still think with this team, it's about whether or not they can make perimeter jump shots. I, I mean, and that's no offense to Olivier Kamwa. Um, you, you know, he had a really nice game against Texas A&M, but he's not shown that kind of consistency. Is the light bulb suddenly going to go on for him offensively? I don't know. I still think this team is going to have uh, issues where uh, they, they, you know, have a lot of low scoring games. They still have those three and four minute scoring droughts. They were better with ball movement. They were better with uh, dribble penetration to create offense in terms of moving the ball around. If they can continue that, then yeah, they'll find a little bit more offensively, but you're always going to shoot it better at home than you do on the road. And uh, we'll see how Tennessee handles a, a, a pesky South Carolina team that plays good defense, really good defense at home against Frank Martin that's coming off an ugly loss to Mississippi State where you know they'll be ready to play. So I think there's some encouraging signs, but I don't think anybody is anointing this team has figured anything out just yet. Austin, I don't know if you're sitting over there looking up this trivia question or not, but I, I'm trying to figure this it is, out. This is e- it is easier to find Brian Harson rumors right now on <laughs> the internet than it is Say by the Bell trivia. I'm at SaveByTheBellFandom.com. Okay, I'm going to read the I'm going to read the uh, the paragraph, which doesn't Suspense. help us. Violet Bickerstaff was Screech's girlfriend. Previously, she dated a nerd who treated her poorly until Screech convinced Violet to tell him off. That's the description. That's it? of the other guy. It doesn't even tell us who it was. And that's hold at the on, that's at on. the verified website of Saved by the Bell Trivia. So I am looking Austin, at the actor right now, and Maxwell. Uh, Maxwell. That's it. Yep, Maxwell. Yep. I've, I'm an IMDb, and I found his character. Yep, you're right. Maxwell Nerdstrom, played Nerdstrom, by Jeff yes. Ash, the actor that played Maxwell Boom. Nerdstrom. There it is. Boom. There he is. 
Brent, you took time out of your day for this segment. We, yep. we thank you for that. Yep. Well, I mean, I just, all I'm thinking about is the, that episode where, um, there was the, what the Elvis statue you had hound dog and, um, <laughs> You had the bet where they ended up kissing the the, the bulldog or, oh, yeah. or something. At the, that was him. Nurse right? from Kiss the Bulldog. There you go. What that was called Nurse by you guys? There is, by the way, there is a podcast for the Saved by the Bell fans out there called Zach. Uh, 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 no, hold on. Yeah, Zach to the Future. Zach to the Future is the name of it, and it's Mark Paul Gossler with different care, uh, different uh, actors from the show, and they recap an episode. It's a guy who's a, a Saved by the Bell super fan, and he's they're going through the episode. And it's just what he remembers from shooting the episode. And he hasn't watched a single episode since actually shooting the show. And he's trying to remember it just by the production of what was going on with the plot. It's fantastic. I highly recommend my, my it. Favorite, my favorite part of this is we were told we had to be out by 513. And I, I found a way to extend this out to 516 <laughs> Eastern Standard Time. Maxwell nerdsed him. <laughs> And hey, we have a big guest coming. Hey, up. and true story, we, uh, we we put together a wish list for Fox whenever we go out to Super Bowl Fifty Six, and Chad Mark Paul um, Mark, Mark Paul Gosler made the list. He's on I the list. list. I put it on list. the list of celebrities in true LA story. that I want to interview. True That's, story. Absolutely. Well, Austin if, and Brent are always if, on the yeah, list. Tiffany Amber Thiessen to that. That 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 will always be my childhood crush. My wife. My wife knows. Yeah, She's but hey, Austin, thanks to you, I'm add, I'm adding Jeff Ash, <laughs> Maxwell Nerdstrom, the actor who played him to the list. Also, yeah, he's available. He, he might just be walking down the street. Yeah, guys, thank you as always, and we'll catch up with you soon. Appreciate right, it, guys. thanks, thank guys. You. Appreciate right. it. Austin Price, Brent Hubbs, there with us. Uh, of course, we'll be out in LA next week. We'll catch up with them in a couple of weeks as we get back. These guys to are always Nashville. good for a laugh. These guys always. are always good for a laugh. Out in the uh, the Pacific time zone. Mike Waffle's about to join us. Former Rams defensive line coach, uh, longtime Raiders defensive line coach. He coached Michael Strahan for the Giants whenever they won the Super Bowl over Brady. Plenty of stories headed our way, including how he stood on the table for Aaron Donald whenever the Rams had the opportunity to draft him. That's next on Now Kick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Really excited about our chat with our next guest. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Uh, final show before we head out west to L.A. for Super Bowl 56 coverage from Radio Row starting on Monday. And out in that area is Mike Waffle, a longtime defensive line coach, uh, worked for Al Davis, worked with the New York Giants. Of course, we've been previewing his work with the Rams and what we'll be discussing here, now retired. Uh, a Marine and a football coach all rolled into one. Coach Waffle, it is a pleasure to speak with you. How are you? Good, good, Jonathan. Good to work with you guys and talk to you today, Chad and Paul. Uh, looking forward to it. Hey, I, I've been uh, telling the guys about the story of, uh, of the way Coach Mack describes it, you busting down the door while Aaron Donald is with you. He's on his official <laughs> visit with the Rams, yeah. and you're, giving, you're showing him around, and they're in – I'll let you tell the story, but they're in watching a quarterback and you bring Aaron Donald into the room. 
what happened then? You have to back up a little bit because because uh, when first the first scout that read uh, Aaron's report basically said he was too small, and oh. you know, and so uh, <laughs> then it was the you know that was the day of the defensive ta- uh, defensive tackles, you know, and so uh, I asked Les Snead, I said, can I have five minutes by myself? And what I did is I took um, uh, I took two at Hageman. And then Michael Brockers, who we drafted in 2012. And it was amazing the statistics between Hageman and Tuit and Brockers were exactly the same. I mean, as far as height, speed, everything, size, arm length, everything. And it was really interesting. So I, I was sucking them in, you know, with the three of those comparisons. Okay. And then I, I had I had Aaron's uh, name tag down in my pocket. And I took it out of my pocket and my you know, foot and a half uh, vertical jump. I jumped up as high as I could and threw it up on top of the board with the defensive tackles. And it was above Clowney's name. And I said, this is the best player on the board right here. And that started it. And uh, so when Aaron came in, um, I did do that. I was kind of, you know, that's kind of a, you know, that was a veteran move on my part. (laughs) You know, you wouldn't do that. Um, I've been in the league a while. But it did open the you know the door and came in with Aaron. But the funny part is I'm six foot four, and I squatted down and I had my arm around Aaron, and we were the same height as I walked in together <laughs> with him. And I, and I basically said, "Hey, this is the best player in the draft right here." And as I tell the story, and you know, I just you know, and I had been selling them forever. Uh, Aaron said he could. He, all he goes, all I could see is Johnny Manziel's name. Uh, I'm picturing name up on the on the screen, you know. And he just goes, that's what I was looking at the whole time in the draft room. But it was it was it was it was a good neat moment. Neat moment. You can do that when you've had some time in the game. You can also do that when you're a six foot four marine. Yes, that's right. <laughs> you can basically do it, coach. You can do whatever you want when when that, when that happens to be the case. Hey, you, those marines. The Marines kicked those doors in. I know that. <laughs> that was a great call, too. I mean, look at the dominance yeah. of Aaron Donald. Um, you, you always had a great eye for talent and traits. What what was the makeup of Aaron Donald at Pitt that that you knew he was going to be this guy in the pros? Well, I, you know, I got my master's in exercise physiology, and, and I, that's why I always just stayed with the defensive line because I was always intrigued by the physical part of the game and being able to help players that way. But, I mean, it was a, to me, it was a no-brainer because he was at Pitt. He's ACC Player of the Year. He got the Bronco Nagurski Trophy, the Chuck Benerick Award, the Lombardi Award, the Outland Trophy, and the Unanimous All-American, you know. And I watched 97 and every one of his games, and you could see it. I mean, he, it, was, it, was not, it was no mystery, you know, to me. And uh, I remember Al Davis said this. He goes, Michael? Football players are football players. They get sacks in college. They get sacks in the NFL. And, um, and you know, I just always believed that about Aaron, that he would have success. And and, and being able to play him uh, like John Randall, uh, you know, the, on the edge of the guard and playing the three technique would be a good spot for him. He seems to have really have been at the forefront of uh, – I, I mean, it seems obvious now, but that, that it's much more direct to, to get to the quarterback going up the middle. It takes a little bit longer coming from the edge – and that people have, have tried now to find guys that help them to, to be more direct and close the pocket from the inside. Uh, you consider him a bit of a uh, revolutionary, maybe a little bit strong, but has he changed the game? Well, uh, you know, the thing, the thing about Aaron is that, you know, you remember Rocky and Drago, the, you know, the big Russian, and when he punched uh, that measuring device that, you know, pounds per square inch of power, 
you know, power is force times velocity in a physical lab, but, but Aaron Donald has strength times speed, which is force times velocity beyond your wildest dreams. It's a gift. And, uh, but on the flip side, he has 34 inch arms. He has very long arms, you know, so, you know, he may be short, but his arm length, you know, allows him to get separation from blockers. Um, you know, we've continually worked and I, I moved from L.A. back up to our North Bay Area house a, a year ago. But, when, you know, from the time I retired, we still work together, you know, and, and, and did stuff in my backyard and things. And, I, you know, the, the rush plans that he has, he's like a martial art and he's probably the one guy that I've coached. And several pro bowlers, okay, and you know, and, and from Michael Strahan talking OCU and the list goes on. Uh, but uh, the thing, that, the thing about Aaron to me, he he understands and studies the game more than any of those guys, and more than anybody in the league, unless he's a quarterback. You know, if he's like he, he's he's, you know, I was talking to him the other night in our weekly conversation, and it's quarter to seven in, in the evening, you know, on, on a Wednesday night, and you know, he's he's in that facility working. And but he really understands the physical aspect, but not only understands it, can apply it. And that's what's that's what he does. And it, there's there's certain things he does on the left side when he's at the, on the guard. And there's certain things he does when he's on the right side when he's on the guard. And then he knows how to match up the blockers. So you mentioned your master's in exercise physiology. Uh, you talked about arm length. You know, there's talk now of hand size with quarterbacks. And I feel like every coach has something maybe they value a little bit more uh, physically when, when looking at a prospect? Was there something that would go to the top of that board for you when looking at defensive linemen that you would always make note of physically about them? Yeah, speed was number one. I did the D-line drills for most of my career. You know, I was in the NFL for 20 years and in the combine. And uh, I always was down there. And when they were doing the, uh, <clears throat> the 40s, I always stood ten yard at the ten yard mark. Okay, I always timed him the ten yard mark, and uh, Aaron ran like one five six on my watch, and that get off. Oh my gosh! I mean, that's that's DB type stuff, you know. At that size, and 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 uh, number one thing that uh, you know I learned from Mr. Davis, he was probably the best personnel evaluator that I was ever around, and um, and Mr. Davis, you know, said you know speed wins in the NFL. And, that, and that's so true, and it, and it is. And, and that was one of his greatest assets. Mike Waffle, our guest, uh, former Rams defensive line coach, Marine, uh, and much more. And you can, if you're watching, you can see the Strahan. Uh, he's got the jersey behind the uniform. Oh, yeah. uh, for those listening, of course, he, he coached Strahan and the Giants defensive line uh, the year oh. that uh, they had the, the great performance against Brady and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, funny That's enough, special. that year was the first Super Bowl that Chad and I covered together back in 2007 in Arizona. That, I mean, that's very vivid to us. Did you think – I thought about that this week. Did you think about that game this week when Brady officially made the announcement that he's retiring? You know, I, Tom Brady and I go back to Cal Berkeley. I was the uh, recruiting coordinator, and I also was in charge of the uh, summer camp along being the defensive line coach. And Tom was in our camp. And uh, Keith Gilbertson had gotten fired and Steve Mariucci was coming aboard. And I just thought he was going to be our quarterback because of the relationship we had. Sarah High School across the bay. And uh, so we go all the way back there. And then uh, obviously my uh, golden moment, I thought my best team that I was on uh, with John Gruden, you know, and, and, uh, and the Raiders. And we went to the Super Bowl and played my head coach the next year at Tampa. And um, 
And I thought our best team was the team that uh, lost the game in the tuck rule. And uh, so we had some, some history there. And then uh, to go against the undefeated uh, Patriots and for those uh, that defensive line to put a show on like they did that night and, and Steve Spagnuolo had some great blitzes. Uh, it, was, it was really a, a, a great thing to win a world championship against him after the tuck rule. I got it back. Woff got it back, Paul. So uh, Brady's <laughs> all but said that that was the most upsetting loss of his career, that that Super Bowl. Your, your guys <laughs> sacked him five times there to end the, the, the bid for the undefeated season. Uh, you, you coached for a long, long time. Where did that win rank for you? And you're a Western oh, New York guy that wasn't oh, yeah. too, too far from home. Oh, that's not even close. It was the best one. I mean, I, I, I love the fact that Seattle um, got crushed by the Packers a week before we played them in the NFC Championship game. With Brent Favre, the, the you know the, the week you know before we played them, ran two hundred. The Packers ran for two hundred forty-four yards, and we held them twenty-five yards rushing in the championship game. And, uh, and you know to be able to go to the Super Bowl, I mean, so that's that's very close. That game right there, even though we didn't get a lot of sacks, and Barr wouldn't let us do that, but. Uh, on, the, on the flip side, we stopped the run to be able to get there. So both of those games are the most gratifying. And obviously, the Super Bowl, World Championship is the World Championship. End of story. It's the best ever. Mike Waffle, our guest. Uh, speaking of uh, Favre, it made me remember the, the Strahan sack. And mm-hmm. uh, he's got the record, and it's tied this year. We, we saw T.J. Watt tie the all-time record. Uh, as, yeah. uh, as someone who appreciates the history of the game and has coached the greats, what do you think about that record actually being met by T.J. Watt this year? I think the one thing, you know, as I watched T.J., okay, I, as I talked about um, Aaron, you know, being a technician, T.J.'s, T.J. knows the secrets too. And he's, doing, he has, he's got great rush technique along with his athletic ability and all of his speed. He has tremendous rush technique. It just doesn't happen. He combines the two. He's my favorite. I love watching him as far as he's my favorite edge rusher. I uh, love watching him, and you know he's 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 tough too. You know I like that. You know it's that Watt family, anyways. But uh, much respect for him. Now the thing that people don't realize, okay, so he has twenty two and a half sacks. He missed a lot of games. Michael played his games. DJ did it in less games. Yes, and it, it, that's right. You can't point to the seventeenth game because he played in what would have amounted to less than sixteen at the end he of the season. Two and a half. He missed two and a half games. Compelled Look to ask, compelled to ask you about another uh, up and comer uh, who we've watched locally in Nashville, Jeffrey Simmons, mm-hmm. uh, who who missed oh. out on on the Pro Bowl before uh, before a dropout, didn't get all pro votes, but um, seems to be right there with the top group of interior defensive linemen in the AFC at least. Oh, I, I you know I I was nothing but impressed. You know I didn't know much about him because I've been out of it. You know. And uh, holy cow, when in the Titans games I got to watch, I mean, I'd love to coach him. And he's super, 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 super player. Mike Waffle, our guest. Um, where do you keep the, uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Marine Corps? Is it above you? Oh, is he, oh he's, going to, he's going to grab it right now. Yeah. There's, there's, the, there's the top part of the Eagle Globe and Anchor, okay? But now you see this side of it over here? Yes. Okay? My grandkids were fighting and they knocked it off and busted <laughs> off the wing. <laughs> oh, no. How'd that go over, Grandpa? How'd, you, how'd they tell you? 
Oh, okay, here it is. Oh, okay, I can't, I can't try to get it. Did you yeah. see it happen, oh, or did they had to? Did they have to come go. admit it? it admit, yeah. admit what happened? Yeah, my, my grandkids broke that. <laughs> but how did, did they? Were you in the room when it happened, or did they have to tell you? No, somehow? they. they uh, you know, I was sleeping, and um, <laughs> they, you know they didn't know how I was going to react to it the next day. And I says, "Hey, that's great. You know, still, still see it. It's okay. They they loved it. You know, it's my grandkids. I ain't gonna, they're all nervous. Everybody in the whole house was nervous." <laughs> <laughs> how how did you learn that you were going to be the recipient in 2009 of the Marine Lifetime Achievement Award? Uh, you know, Brian Kilmeade, who's on uh, Fox and Friends? Yes. Yeah, he introduced me. He called me and let me know. You know and and, and uh, there was a Marine that was in New York City. It was held in New York City. And uh, and they, you know, they chose me for it. And then, um, you know, the Commandant of the Marine Corps was there, uh, President Clinton, um, Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, uh, and a whole bunch of Marines. And uh, I sang him a song, you know, that I learned. It. I said the first university I attended was University of Paris Island, and I, I sang him an old core song, and those Marines loved it because it was uh, that Vietnam era vet guys. I was trained by them. What do you expect the Bengals? I mean, everybody's tried everything against Aaron Donald as, as we circle back to, to, uh, to him. What do you expect the Bengals to try to do and uh, uh, is the best thing you try to do against him, get rid of the ball as fast as you can, as often as you can? I think, you know, the, the pass rush, you know, I mean, it's really affected, you know, the offensive line, you know, when they, when they played the Titans, but it didn't affect Joe, you know. <laughs> he's the guy to me, you know. He's, 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 he's really something special, you know, to be able to get sacked that many times and pull off a victory. I mean, that was crazy. That was crazy. And, um, but, you know, they did, a, you know, they did a good job, um, you know, as, as, you know, as far as, you know, protect, you know, not getting, not having them get hit and sacked as much as in the next game, you know? And, and so the secret is, is get the ball out of the quarterback's hands and, and, you know, Aaron can get there quick though, because of that speed. So it's, 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 it's a good matchup for Aaron. I know that probably the nervousest people, nervous, most nervous group of people on the face of the earth <coughs> are, is the Bengals offensive line. Every game, it seems like, with the number of times that uh, Burrow gets hit, but especially this week. Uh, will yeah. you leave us with, uh, and I'm sure you get this a lot, leave us with the top Al Davis story. If you're writing your book, what's the what's chapter one on Al Davis? Well, uh, I, I was, you know, I was, I was, our, my, our first year, we we've, we've took that team. It was 30th in the league in all categories, 30 teams in the league, finished in the top five. and. Um, we were in a meeting after my first year and he was talking about, you know, we need to get better pass rush, better sacks. And I'm like, son of a gun. And I doubled the numbers in sacks, you know? And, um, and so I spoke up and I said, well, you know, Mr. Davis, you know, we went from 20 some sacks into the mid forties, you know? And, and, and he says, I don't care. I pay those guys millions of dollars. Okay. I don't even know why I'm paying you. That's my- <laughs> <laughs> I love him. He, you know, he's like a father to me. He taught me the league inside and out. He made me negotiate contract. I had to negotiate a contract. He taught me, taught me the league inside and out, you know, and it was pretty cool. Hey, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't know if we were going to need the dump button ready uh, because coach Mack told me you're good friends with Jim Washburn. And uh, that, oh, yeah. that immediately throws a red flag for me because I'm like, if he's anything like wash, we've got to be on the lookout here. But yeah, I, this has been yeah. easy. 
Well, you know, the thing, you know, Jim is was a tremendous defensive line coach, you know, and I really like Terrell Williams. I think Terrell is too, you know, I, I got much respect for him. I, I kind of helped raise him, you know, he, he went to the Raiders after I had left my second time. Um, and I think he does an outstanding job, but Jim Washburn is a legend, you know, you know that in Nashville and great coach, but he came in the year after um, I did in the league and, and uh, went right up to him and welcomed him into the, welcomed him into the NFL and went to the Super Bowl's first year. And, we have nothing but great respect for each other. I know you have a lot of things better to do than join us uh, on Outkick 360. This has been a real treat for us. We, we appreciate the time. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll, uh, we'll get a second visit from WAF at some point on the show. Well, you know, anytime, you guys. You know, I, I enjoy doing it. And, and much respect for you. And, uh, and I'd like to get a shot of that smoky whiskey in the back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we have got, that for you when you come to Nashville. I'll, yeah, Thank you. I'll text yeah, you, you too. There you go. <laughs> Thanks very much. Appreciate it, Coach. Okay, thanks a lot. Mike Waffle there has been our guest. Uh, quite the story. Like I was thinking about the, the book that man could write with all oh, of his yeah. life experiences. Amazing. Our, our next guest could write a book, too. Uh, Pro football doc. Yeah. Dr. David Chow. He's here. He's in, in Nashville. Town. He's in Nashville. He's not leaving. He's going to try Old Smokey. He's not leaving. That's He's right. He's going to be right here. Pro football doc next live in studio with us at 6th and Peabody for Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. been a uh, jam-packed show for Outkick 360 and pleased to be joined by pro football doc Dr. David Chow is in town he is in Nashville at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer Old Smoky Moonshine he hasn't tried it yet we can vouch for that great to see you though how are things good good you know I'm trying to not look too touristy as I get here to Nashville <laughs> you pull it off well I mean there's no cowboy boots no no you look, no very, hat. You look no hat. very casual like an extra on Yellowstone well right I don't it's perfect. I, I don't usually wear the plaid but my wife wanted to put a cowboy hat and boots on me and I said no so no, far thanks. well and so, I joked with you that that's how we tell the tourists from the locals is if you wear the cowboy hat we know you're not from here yeah. So that's perfect. I, I love it. Not too many Asian cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> we, we talked to you a lot about ACL recoveries this year. Joe Burrow tore his ACL MCL left knee November 22nd, 2021. We, we talk a lot about Joe Burrow not looking like himself this season. W was it an issue for him this year at all? Oh, oh absolutely it was an issue for yep. him. If you think back after he tore it, there were people and pundits that say uh, he's going to miss a lot of time next year. And there were some that said he should sit out all of 2021. Now, right from the get-go, I know I talked to you guys about it too. I said, I think he's going to be ready week one, but he's not going to be fully 100% till the second half of the season. And if you remember at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of talk in the preseason. How's he doing? He, he took one snap only in preseason. And we've run the stats. His last half of the season is much better. He's much more mobile. The injury at this point is behind him, but people, recency bias, right? The last few weeks, you don't see anything and you're good. And we don't even remember all the past. Man, he gets hit a lot too. Yes. You that know, old line. That, <laughs> that, 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 that would worry me if I'm with Cincy in the front office or the coaching staff 
is he's coming off the ACL, and as he's gradually getting better, he's also taking all those hits. Well, obviously the nine sacks against yeah. the Titans, right? And then they did better, but I think he was really escapable uh, against For Kansas sure. City, yeah. right? And and he got himself out of several extra sacks, and so we'll see what happens. I think that's where the game's going to be won and lost. It's going to be can the Bengals' offensive line, the right side, which is pretty injured, make do and stop. Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and company. Well, we know where their personnel priority is going to be heading into his third season. Well, it's not often we get a doctor in-house where I can ask a question about hand size uh, to a doctor. <laughs> so, uh, Kenny Pickett not wanting his hand measured at the Senior Bowl, saying that he's double-jointed, and there's something going on with that. To which I immediately asked the question, isn't there a benefit to being double-jointed well, if, look, you're, if you're a professional athlete, or is it a hindrance? Look, I don't know Kenny Pickett. He's a college player turning pro. I don't want to hate on Kenny Pickett. Perhaps it's the nomenclature. And yes, with you know, we're going to do more college football stuff at Sports Injury Central and Pro Football Doc because of name, image, likeness now. But here's the thing. If you're truly double-jointed, and obviously this is my left hand, they measure your hand as in how from fingertip to thumb. So if you're double-jointed, you, as you can see, you can get more distance. He's bending his it's thumb give you back. A big, it's going to give you a better measurement. Yes. You should, hyper-flexible, uh, hyper-mobile is double-jointed. Now, apparently, he does have something with his thumb, and apparently that uh, double-jointed may not be the right phrase. It's just what he utilized, so I'm not trying to hammer Kenny Pickett with yeah. this. But also, if it's not there already, how much is it really going to stretch? And, and in the end, does it really matter, right? I mean, what he does on the field, but... It's interesting fodder, and uh, I think I'm going to go to the combines. There's so much about the draft and medical, and I'll, of course I'll stay. I mean, I swear I'd never go back to Indy because I've been there 20-plus years on the what I call Groundhog Day medical side, every day examining 60, 80 people. But we'll see. There's so much interest in the draft. Is it team to team in terms of the medical side of it, what they're looking for? It, it, by emphasis, we just had Coach on you know, talking about he would look at speed in a certain drill more than anything else. Is it the same with the medical side of it based on team preference? There's no question that, you know, medicine is an art as much as a science, and you can't say. I mean, look, you all drafted Jeffrey Simmons, and we talked about that, and it's obviously worked out where a lot of teams stayed away. So it's individual. It's as individual as uh, one GM says, this is my number one pick, and another GM says, I don't think that guy's in my top ten, right? I mean, there's a lot of subjectivity to it. There are some things that are very black and white. I mean, but a lot of things that are in shades of gray, depending on what you see. And that's part of the art of being an NFL team physician and analyzing. I mean, in, in, at the Chargers, we had a history of taking, quote, some risks, but medically, we didn't think they were risks. They were bargains, the way that we looked at we them. We talked over the season uh, in, in Nashville about Taylor Lewan and Bud Dupree and not being themselves a year removed from, from ACLs. Uh, Dupree's a lot later. What do you expect from them in 2022, two years removed from having suffered their I injuries? think they're going to be great. I think the later half part of the season, Bud Dupree was pretty darn good. He was. I, I mean, like in the beginning, and we talked about it on the show with the videos, he's jumping around. He looks great to mere mortals, but that's not Bud Dupree. But – 
Mike Rabel and company aren't dumb. They said, well, he's going to project to get there, so let's just get him to sign. He looks good. And if you look at the last four games of the season, I think he was pretty dominant and speedy. I think that's what you're going to see in 2022. And also the later half of the season, I don't know that we heard much about Taylor Lewan. Early part of the season, injuries beget injuries and a lot of things. And, and that's about the pattern. Yeah, he, say, he said he, if he could go back, Lewan I'm talking about, could go back, he would have slowed down the progression early on uh, maybe he doesn't play in week one. You yeah, know, that, and, and, that's what he was saying. And everyone is, quote, the fast healer, right? And no rehab guy says, my athlete is a slow healer. I'm the fastest. But there's one thing I'll tell you. You can't speed up biology. And there's some <laughs> biology that needs to happen. You can train around it to maximize biology, but you can't speed up biology. So kudos to the guys for trying to come back so quickly. But sometimes there's just a reality in it. And Joe Burrow did it too, but it's a little easier for a quarterback than a left tackle or an edge rusher. Next summer, we'll be asking you about Caleb Farley. Yeah, the, re- the return. Yeah, that's right. Of his second, uh, second AC. The never-ending yes. cycle. Pro Football Doc, though, he's, he's got it covered for you. You need to go follow this guy. At Pro Football Doc. Chances are you already are. Uh, you can read his work at outkick.com and, and, and find all the links through his Twitter handle, Dr. David Chow. He's the best. And he's in Nashville. Enjoy, enjoy your music. weekend. Yeah, enjoy music. Got anything sites you're looking forward to seeing, or is it just all Broadway while you're here? You know, look, uh, I, I've been here before. We played the Titans a bunch. Uh, there was one Christmas that we spent here. My my fiance at the time came out. That's why she's excited to come out. She loves Nashville. I think we have a Johnny Cash Museum and some nice. line dancing, something oh, <laughs> a nice. lesson lined up. Head to the so, wild horse. You know, <laughs> head to the wild horse. I'm Perfect. going where I'm told. Enjoy your stay. All right, thank you. Dr. David Chow has been our guest. Uh, we, when we return for the show on Monday, we'll be live in Los Angeles. We're going to look like the tourists yeah. out in. We'll uh, be in, in Dr. Bright- Chow's neck of the woods, <laughs> Southern California. The bright lights of LA. You can join us as we'll broadcast live from Radio Row at Super Bowl Fifty Six Bengals and Rams all week long, jam packed with interviews and much, much more. Hope you'll join us for Outkick Three Sixty, Three to Six Eastern, Two to Five Central, and next week. Noon to 3 Pacific, right here across the Outkick Network. Wherever we are, wherever you are, don't block the box and do lock your locks.